Look at the stars, look how they shine for you. Hello, welcome back to Blind Love Radio. I am your host, Anna Rosen, creative, tarot enthusiast, witchy woman, cosmic hype girl, all the things, absolutely all of the things. And today I will be interviewing the amazing Ryan Clayton on Instagram. His handle is cosmos.within. I will spell that C-O-S-M-O-S dot within, W-I-T-H-I-N. And he is amazing. Oh my goodness. What a gem. So we talked forever. I felt like I kept, I could have kept talking with him. So he is an astrologer and we talk about my birth chart, which was really fun. And you'll hear, and I love hearing people getting readings. So I hope you guys love the same. Um, And I feel like you can like pick up on so many like little nuances and things in your own chart by hearing about somebody else's chart. Um, So we go over all of that. And then we talk so much about the astrology for 2020. And then also this Gemini full moon that is happening today. I'm dropping this episode today. It's happening and he gives you so many tools and ideas about how you can use this energy and allow it to be a clearing into 2020 and how everything is kind of connected. Um, He even gives us some horoscopes for Jupiter and Capricorn for like everybody, wherever it is in your chart, he's got you covered. He, um, we go over so many things. Ah, I'm trying to like remember everything. Um, we go over even like, we go over this eclipse season with the Cancer Capricorn, and then we even dive into the next season. So the Gemini Sagittarius, um, North Node, South Node that we're going to be moving into next year in 2020. So... Oh my goodness, I just feel like you guys have got to listen, listen to it all, do all of your tasks like walking, working, driving, whatever. You don't want to miss it. Totally fine to multitask. I am a lover of multitasking for sure, but this episode just has like so much information. My little brain can't take it. It's going to explode. Maybe surely it may have already happened. I'm not sure. But you guys, it's so good. I had so much fun talking to Ryan. Ryan is based in Thailand, which was also very exotic and exciting. Um, So you can hear him talk about that, what it's like at the very end there. 
And if you guys decide that you want to book a reading with Ryan, which I highly, highly, highly encourage, you'll totally see his style on this podcast. You can find him at cosmoswithryan.com. So Cosmos, C-O-S-M-O-S with W-I-T-H, Ryan, R-Y-A-N.com. And you can book a reading there for 2020, um, much like what we did in this podcast. And you can get like the whole scoop, though, exactly for you and tailored to your needs. Um, And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I know you're going to love it. And I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you're enjoying this Gemini full moon. It is super duper 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 powerful. And I'm sure you can feel it. I'm feeling it. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Hmm. I feel like I just like ran through that intro at super duper speed, at cosmic speed. Um, okay, guys, enough of my rambling. Here is Ryan. Mwah! Let's do it. All right. So go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. All right. Uh, my name is Ryan Clayton. I am an astrologer, a modern mystic, and a transformation coach. Um, I'm based in Bangkok, Thailand. Um, so I do work with people here. I also do long distance sessions over Skype like this. Um, so yeah, I'm super into astrology and healing and tapping into self-love and just really reflecting and assessing the cosmos within as they are a reflection of the planets above. And also tapping into the fact that we are our own luminaries. You know, we have the sun, we have the moon, and from this vantage point here on Earth, all of us can see those two things, but it's also, I take a super empowering approach to uh, teaching astrology, so it's also the fact that we are also our own luminaries, and to be aware of that. I love that. So, yeah. how did you get into astrology? How did I get into astrology? Um, well, a few years ago, when I really started to go through my own personal spiritual awakening and lots of setting of layers, uh, working with the magic of self-love and whatnot, I was really drawn to working with the moon. Um, and I started doing little spells and rituals along with the moon phases and then the sign that the moon was traveling in, new moon, full moon. And then from there, it just kind of bloomed into, you know, why am I just so, I, I felt this really intense connection with the moon and I was like, why not go beyond and go with all the other planets? So then I just started, you know, I'm, I see astrology as a language and I'm really not good at languages. <laughs> like I've lived in Thailand for five years and I can probably say a total of five things in Thai. Um, but as soon as I started studying astrology, it was just like, boom, it just clicked. And, and I, I, I believe in, in, in past lives and 
looking at that, looking at those energies in the charts, and it's definitely something that I've experienced in the past life before. Because as soon as I started studying, it just washed over me and it spoke to me and my body and my soul came super attuned to everything I was learning. And now it's kind of my purpose to share it with the collective. What have you seen? What's something cool that you've seen from like giving another person a reading? Giving another person a reading. Probably looking at the moon signs. Like the moon is something that I really like to look at when looking at where, what karmic energies are we coming from or what past experiences are we bringing. And, you know, the moon, we can have the moon in 12 different houses. So, so we work with 12 different energies, but that's not to say that every time somebody, like for you, for instance, you have a moon in Pisces, right? And that's not to say that every single person with a moon in Pisces is going to have the same emotional value and emotional landscape. But it's, so interesting to me to see, okay, this person does have a moon in Pisces, but what is that doing with the rest? How is that moon communicating with all the rest of the plants in the chart? And what's so fascinating to me is that that can vary with a thousand people. If you do a reading for them, it's going to be different for every single person, and that was so cool to me. How did you, like, start learning about aspects? Because I feel like it's one thing to like dive into the houses and to dive into the signs, but then it's like it totally brings it to another level, like you're saying, like when you look at like what the different planets are like aspecting, like how everything's like talking to each other. So, and Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a little overwhelming for definitely for me and probably for most people (laughs) who are not astrologers. So, like, <laughs> how did you, like, start to make sense of all of that? It is overwhelming because, you know, as soon as I show, show somebody their chart, you know, they see all those zigzaggy lines in the middle, and they are like, oh, what is that? And it, it can be a little frightening at times and confusing. You know, it, astrology is an art, but it's actually also math and science. So, you know, when we look at aspects, that brings some degrees and stuff. And for me, it just kind of happened organically. Um, and I myself didn't actually start to give readings until I studied the aspects because, like you said, that's a whole other layer. That goes so much more deeper. And yeah, it just, it, it all just happened organically for me. I don't even, I, you know, I studied the signs and the plants and the houses. And then when I was ready to take that step further in, book, 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 book. Okay. So, and, what? and not only that. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Oh no, I was going to say books, but also like, but also like reading people's charts, you know, because that, so the actual experience of doing it also helps a lot. I love that. So like that feels like very relatable to me. Like I have a lot of Capricorn, so like the slow build of something is so, just feels so good. Like not doing everything yeah. all at once and like just doing a little bit at a time and then you like build a good foundation and then you like slowly climb up. It totally sounds like what you're talking about. Okay, so we have to know what your like big three signs are and especially your moon signs since you like the moon so much. I do. All right, so I'm an Aquarius sun. I have a Libra moon and a Leo rising. Ooh, I'm so unfamiliar with all of these. Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
And how about yourself? Even though I can see it right in front of you. Yeah, so I am a Capricorn sun and a Pisces moon and a Scorpio rising. I feel yeah. like extremely Scorpio. Yeah, definitely because you have a Pluto, Pluto there as well. And right on the ascendant, that's a very potent energy. I just got a reading and somebody told me that. And I never thought to think about it. But, like, thinking about it now and, like, how much I evolve, like, constantly, it's, like, a little bit exhausting. Like, I wish (laughs) I I didn't have to. (laughs) Yeah, especially with all your Capricorn, it's, like, you go through that evolution nice and slow. Yeah. So it's, like, even more intense. Totally. And it's like, I just built all of that and now I'm just going to like destroy it and start something else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then Pluto on the Ascendant, people most of the time, it's like a lifetime of going through that constant death and rebirth and transformation. And it is super potent and it is super transformational and heavy at times, but it's beautiful. Those people go through so many changes in their life and it's magical. So do you have anything on, like, is it, like, very, I guess, important just, like, if you have something on that, like, for axis, like, if it's on the Ascendant or the Descendant or, like, the MC or the Absolutely. IC? Absolutely. And then whatever. So, for instance, if something's on the AC, um, we can look at what it's doing, but it's also affecting the Descendant, right? So it's right across from it. So you'll always get an interesting mix of what's hitting what in the chart. Do you have anything on that, like, axis, or? I have, like, my Leo rising. I got Jupiter in there. Ooh, that's so lucky. Yeah. Are you, like, a lucky Lucky human? Lucky, and I got lots of movement. Like, I got to have to work with the fire and move my body, or else, like, energy just becomes stagnant, and I can really feel it. Are you super creative, too? Uh, I, I would say so, yeah. I, I like, when, when I'm teaching astrology and doing readings, I like kind of pairing aspects and transits with these little images or little movies I have in my head about what it looks like. That's what's really helped me to learn astrology a lot. And it, it helps, helps the client understand, too. It kind of helps them to visualize a little bit more. So I love yeah. Leo's. Yeah, Leo's are fun. Leo's are super fun. They're so creative and charismatic and, like, I don't know. It's just wonderful. Yeah, super fun to be around. So how do you relate to, like, your Libra moon? Uh, Libra moon, I do not like conflict with. Oh, like everything in harmony. Everything in harmony, yeah, but... But you know what? It's actually taught me a lot to to embrace the opposite. You know, I it, it's my comfort zone to to be in harmony and balance in my relationships and the way I speak and how I present myself to the world. Um, but it's actually through the years it's taught me to embrace the opposite. You know that it's okay to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. That was that's been one of my biggest lessons. Um, that's so cool. Probably last year. Yeah. So do what you, about you? How do you connect to your Pisces moon? I am so emotional. 
like yeah ridiculously emotional to the point of like yeah. it's a problem but it's also like something i'm learning and it that's never mm-hmm. been really something i've like thought about that like our moon teaches us something um yeah but thinking about it i feel like it's totally been a lifelong lesson of dealing with my emotions <laughs> in a healthy yeah. way that doesn't like destroy me like that Scorpio feeling of just like drowning in the water because that's very like yeah. Pisces and it's in the fourth house so it's even like more I feel like kind of watery if you think about it as like a Cancerian thing I don't know. That is interesting that you say that because I have, uh, what house system do you work with? I use, I think, Placidus. Do you use whole sign? Uh, I use whole sign, so your moon is in the fifth house in Ooh, front of me. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, <laughs> so I'd love to, like, hear this. I always, like, I feel like things are very, like, when I started looking at the eclipse season this year with whole sign houses and I was like that makes total sense and it didn't really make sense with the other systems so I feel like it's hard because I feel like some stuff makes total sense and that I go like back and forth but I'm not like a real I'm not a real deal astrologer so yeah but uh, you're allowed to totally do that (laughs) I I feel like every astrologer has their house system that, that they work with and that they love. But I always tell people, you know, like like I said, astrology is a language and the house systems are another um, variable of that language. So, you know, whole, whole, whole science systems are to be like French and your positive is German. You know, it's not to say like what, what language is right and what language is wrong. They're both languages, right? They just speak in different ways and I always tell because sometimes I have clients come to me and they and they, they say kind of this way you said now they're like oh my moon actually isn't there it's in another house somebody told me or or I really vibe with that one or some people have said oh I vibe with what you're telling me actually and I always tell them go with whatever feels right for you you know maybe sometimes you will feel your moon in your fourth and maybe sometimes you will feel your moon in your fifth it's whatever whatever you vibe with there's no right or wrong and I, and I vibe work wholeheartedly with whole signs so if somebody doesn't vibe with that they have all the free will to go to another astrologer but yeah that's what's fun about astrology too okay so i have always had this question about whole sign houses and i've never understood it where yeah so you have let's say like a bunch of planets in libra and it's in the third house, but then it's like, would they go to the next? Hold on. I can only use like real world examples because I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> okay, guys. So I have like a stellium in the second house and that's in Capricorn, but in yeah. a whole sign, it would be, would that all move to the third house? Yeah, in your, so your your whole sign chart, you have a very large stellium in the third house, ruled by Capricorn. Because um, that with, feels like more relevant, because I'm not, whenever people are like, oh, this is all about money, and I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not. 
Well, I was going to bring up too, I was like, it makes perfect sense that the host of this like beautiful creative wellness podcast has this giant stellium in the house of communication. And not only that, like there are our full moon and Gemini coming up, like that's going to, you're going to be feeling those effects really, really potently as well. And I started this According podcast. According to whole time. Yeah. Well, that's why I feel like it makes total sense because with like the whole Capricorn cancer thing, um, yeah. It would have been affecting the third house and that would have been like communication. And that's when I started the podcast was like right with the first eclipse with Capricorn last year. When did you start the podcast? Like December 28th of last year. Of last year, 2018. Cool, 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 cool. No, isn't that so perfect? It is perfect. It's fascinating. And then in the middle of the year, my sister left and moved away. And third house is also about like siblings. Yeah. So it was like I was like releasing her and it was so hard. (laughs) (laughs) And then your uh, Pisces moon comes up to the surface. Uh, So what would my Pisces moon in the fifth house be? Well, Pisces moon in the fifth house, because I always say yes, yes, the fifth house rules our heart chakra. The fifth house rules everything doing with passions and and flirting with the idea of fun and creativity and and um, children, you know? And, and not just physical children, but, but when you give birth to a project, when you create something, for instance, when you create a podcast, that's kind of like a child, you know? It, it's a responsibility. You have to take care of it and nurture it. And, and give your guests something beautiful to work with. So when you have a moon in Pisces in the fifth house, you know, you're literally combining Pisces spirituality and you're coming from a heart space, fifth house, and your emotions are all intermingling and that's how you are choosing to connect with the collective. Oh, I love that. And I always felt like yeah. I had way more Leo. Like I always felt like I should have something in the Leo house. Yeah. Okay, so what would my, like, mid-heaven change? Your your mid-heaven is Leo in the 10th house. So that doesn't change. That doesn't change, no. That's normal. <laughs> Not yeah. that this is unnormal. <laughs> normal. <laughs> Whatever is normal. There's no right or wrong, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, but I mean, you have so you have Leo in the tenth house, and that's your midheaven, right? Mm-hmm. And then the ruler of that is the sun, and then we look at the sun it's in your third house of communication. So again, you're tapping into oh. more heart, doctor, creative, and that's how you communicate. But wow. you communicate it in a very grounded, like fashion, um, so that's acceptable. Do we people. think this is grounded? <laughs> I. <laughs> I try to. I'm. Very, I get to get very caught up in the woo woo, and that's that's been. I have a lot of Capricorn. Many people in our generation were born with that Capricorn stellium, and actually, all the little babes being born in the world right now are being born with Capricorn stellium as well. Um, but it's been my uh, part of my life purpose to take all that woo-woo, take all that healing and spirituality and mystic stuff, which I love so much, but I can get so caught up in it. So 
part of my service is to kind of bring that in a more grounded, pragmatic manner and make it more accessible for people. I it's important that. because because it's about like astrology, although it is on the rise again, you know, I I love not the whole other topic of conversation, but you know, astrology was in ancient times it was revered so highly. Um, and it was reserved for the royals and, and billionaires and that, that kind of idea. And now in pop culture, we see it coming to a rise again, um, which is beautiful. Uh, but a lot of people still think of it as, you know, like woo-woo or like, or like that hippy-dippy stuff kind of thing. So I feel like it's really important for, for people in this day and age to recognize that, you know what, it actually serves a grounded purpose. We can we can take the energy from the cosmos and we can relate to it on an earthly level here in this human experience. It's also like if you don't completely understand something and how you can use it in your everyday life, then it's kind of pointless. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um okay, so where do I have Jupiter then? Would it still be in my eighth house or then is it in my ninth house? No, yeah, everything is, is it your first whole? whole yeah, house? I've never had a whole sign reading. This is revolutionary. Oh, cool. Okay, this is fun for me. <laughs> um, and that's why I love whole house. Like, whole house is the most ancient form, like, the most ancient house system in astrology. No, it's what everything started with. And I believe. The ancient practices are so important, and we've lost grasp of them. We lost sight of them. We don't even know how to connect to ancient practices. Um, and obviously, I've, I've been a modern take on it, but it's really magical to go back and see that you have Jupiter in the ninth house in Cancer. Ooh, so do I have my south node there too? No, you're, <laughs> you're, so your north node is Aquarius in the fourth house, and your south node is in your, your MC, your south house of Leo. Wow, that's blowing my little mind. Okay, I kind of feel yeah. that, though, because I always felt like I was an artist in a past life. Yeah, I, I would interpret that as, you know, Part of your karmic destiny, your life purpose here in this, during this lifetime is to reach out to the collective in some way. You know, you want to move spiritual movement forward. Um, and that, that creates a home for you. And not only for yourself, but you want to create a home for other people. Right? I do. I want to be everybody's mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to be everybody's spiritual mama. I do. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, like the weird eccentric. Oh my god, yes, mama. you're reading my life. That's totally yeah, what I want to be. <laughs> and that's what you're doing this podcast too. Like this is a way for you to reach out to the collective because of various rules technology too. So it makes totally. so much sense that you're drawn to podcasting, you know, and the place that you're coming from. Um, you know, you come to this little you come to this world like a little baby and you got your backpack and all your tools are in your self-node and we don't want to rely on our tools, but you know, our self-node is our comfort zone. We want to move past that, but we still want to use the tools that we have with us and your tools, you know, you just told me that you relate to Leo so much and that's because your tools, you have a backpack full of Leo tools, you know, 
you have that spark, you have that passion, you have that uh, eccentricity that draws people into you. You know, it's, it's the sun. Sun walks into a room and it's going to get noticed and people want to be around it and it's warm and friendly and caring. And you want to use all this creative, fiery, hearty passion to move forward towards your north node. Oh my God, you're okay. This is like so real because <laughs> I totally feel that. Like, I totally feel like creativity just comes like so easily to me. But then, mm-hmm. like, this podcast was totally out of my comfort zone. Like, it was something like yeah. I always loved podcasts and I was always like oh my god that would be so fun to do but I don't know I don't know if I'm like good enough to have one like it never like came naturally but yeah I like I love doing it now that I feel like I'm getting like a little bit better at it but yeah yeah I totally feel that I just love it and it like if can I ask you a question Oh, no, sorry, keep going. No, nothing. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, can I ask you a question? Do you feel like since you started this podcasting journey, um, do you feel like you're attracting more and manifesting more in your life or flowing more with, like... Totally. I feel like everything has become, like, so much easier. Like, everything's, yeah. like, falling into place, and I feel like getting guests is so easy, like, people are just, cool. like, attracted to me and, like, oh, I love your podcast. Yeah. And I'm, like, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? Yeah. <laughs> and you get to be on the podcast. You get to be on yeah, the podcast. totally. And it's, like, and then it just brings, like, the most beautiful conversations where I couldn't, I couldn't, like, go and, like, try and, like, find people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where that would be, yeah. that would feel like forcing it. But I feel like yeah. it, it's all just kind of, like, happening. Yeah, which is like that soft feminine flow. It's not that like masculine large like going out and like getting people to be on and trying to promote and stuff. People are kind of being drawn to you now in a very soft manner because you also have Venus uh, in your fourth house where your north node is in Aquarius. So Venus is where we attract. Venus is where we manifest. And once we step into our Venetian energies, everything just starts flowing to us more easily kind of thing wow yeah I'm always I feel like I've always been a little bit leaning more masculine like yeah even though like I'm a hairstylist also so it's kind of like in that like more feminine world but Mm -hmm. and I mean I'm not even gonna say that I was I'll say it anyway you couldn't judge me if you want people but I was going to say, like, I'm just extremely emotional, which I feel like is often portrayed as a very feminine trait, like, to yeah. be, you know, whether that's society putting stigmas on that or whatever. But I feel like most of the time in my life, I feel like I am pretty masculine with just, like, the very, like, intensity of, like, go and get something done and, like... I went through like a crazy like running phase where I was like running a million miles and like yeah. like just that like I don't know where is my Mars is that where it all comes from? Your Mars is in the second house of Sagittarius. Yeah, so that's- Sagittarius needs to move. Sagittarius needs to be on the prowl. And is that a masculine sign? Yeah, Sagittarius is a masculine sign. Mm-hmm. 
So that could be. Sagittarius doesn't want to be pinned down. So if you have Mars in there, it like exercise and movement and scheduling, all that kind of stuff, it's very important for you to get that energy flowing because kind of like my Jupiter in, in Leo, in another fire time, if you if you are um, if you are not moving or you are stagnant for a certain period of time, you will feel that in your body. And not only in your body, but you'll feel that in your mind. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And especially with that Pisces moon, you gotta like be sure to ground yourself or have a partner that's there to ground you. Um, Pisces moon always. I I see it as you know in a, in a past life in another lifetime you were a mystic at some point. And totally. in a past life you had. I like to think had, so. You were. <laughs> yeah, you were. You were. You worked with magic and spirituality and wellness in some way, and you had all these ideas. But somewhere along the line, uh, you didn't physically ground them, or you were working, you met with the wrong people, or you weren't revered um, as, as highly as you should be. So when you come into this life note, in this lifetime, you come with your self note, and you also come with your moon. So this lifetime is a chance for you to, okay, you have all these dreams, you have all these visions, so now is another chance for you to ground them and bring them into reality. Oh. Okay, what do you think you were in a past life? What do I think I was in a past life? I I kind of feel like in the same realm. Um, Definitely my south node is in the 12th house. Oh, Coming from the depths of like the subconscious, unconscious oceans and going super deep with spirituality, but but also getting overwhelmed by it, I feel like so. Uh, and that in my past, in this lifetime, that's been very comfortable space for me to, and it, it's also cancer. So, you know, I would let my emotions wash over me, I would, and drown them sometimes. Um, and it took me a while to really refine my spiritual tools uh, to connect to myself. Um, but yeah, that's kind of in my process with it. So, do you kind of feel like looking at like the opposite sign when you're having trouble with a sign to kind of like ground it? Do you think that would be like the medicine of an imbalance? Uh, I feel like for certain planets, yeah, like looking at the opposite sign, being like, okay, what, what's going on here? Especially if you have like an opposition between two planets, you know, because it, it's, it's a tug of war when you see that opposition in the chart. So instead of fighting on this side and fighting on this side, you know, it's like, okay, how can we bring balance to both sides so we're not constantly tugging and trying to win, I'll put it, because, you know, if you balance it, then both sides can win and both sides can work. So what's going on with my big-ass opposition that's happening? Because that's, that's like all I see is those little blue lines. <laughs> what, what are you speaking to? Transit or like in your chart? In my chart. All right. You got something in mind? I just noticed, like, from the stellium across to the Jupiter. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on there. Because you have 
Sana posing Jupiter. Sana posing Uranus. Sana or sorry, Jupiter posing Uranus. Jupiter posing Neptune. Yeah, so you know, Sana posing Jupiter. Sun is our consciousness. It's our ego. It's our identity. It's the whole lens through which we see our world. And Jupiter is abundant. And whenever I I speak to Jupiter, you know. Jupiter is kind of like that cheerleader of the zodiac. It's like this bright light wherever we see Jupiter in our charts, the universe giving us two thumbs up. Or like when you play Super Mario and you get those blocks and the little coins come out. Ooh, I love that. You know, that. that's very, that's very Jupiter energy. Um, but that's not to say that whenever we have, whenever we see Jupiter, it expands. Jupiter is abundant. So if I'm feeling shady for some reason, sorry, can I cut on the podcast? Of course you can. <laughs> okay, so if I'm feeling shitty or stuck or depressed or something and I'm going through Jupiter transit, Jupiter is going to make me feel more shitty or stuck or depressed because I'm, I'm going in with that energy. So it's not to say that Jupiter just comes in and is like, all right, everything is good now because wherever Jupiter is in our chart, we got to meet it halfway. The universe is going to work with us, but we got to meet it halfway. So your sun opposing Jupiter, it's like being conscious of of your role, being conscious of what you're here to do on Earth and in this lifetime, um, being conscious of the way you speak to others and teach others. Um, I'm sure lots of people look up to you as a mentor with that third house stellium and also with your Saturn return going on, that was a major lesson for you over the past couple of years, um, especially this year, very potent. But it's being conscious of that kind of apprentice mode and when it's opposing Jupiter, you know, Jupiter sometimes can be like the know-it-all, you know? Jupiter sucks up, not sucks up, he soaks up knowledge, he soaks up energy, he soaks up information, so he, and he loves it. Jupiter loves learning and knowing everything, so it's for you to create a fine balance of you are very well versed in all these communication lines that I'm speaking of, but it's being consciously aware that you're presenting them in a way that are helping people to move move forward rather than like speaking above them being like, well, I know this and just so you know, get it. It's so funny because when I started the podcast, like my sister, like I love my sister. She is like the Virgo moon to my Pisces moon. And And she was listening and she was like, yeah, you got better when she started asking more questions and stopped talking as much about yourself. (laughs) She's like, it's not about you. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, you're so right, though. (laughs) You're like, maybe. Let's just keep working with it a little bit. Uh, So what do you think about like, yeah, go ahead. If you have something. No, no, you ask. You ask. I was going to say, like, what do you think about, like, the ascendant, descendant with, like, relationships and I don't know. Any thoughts? I just find that, like, super fascinating in that whole little Mm. area. All right. So, ascendant is everything I talked about. It's stepping into our own power aware of who we are, our conscious identity, and when we flip over to the opposite end, the descendant, that's our, our love line, um, 
our relationships. It's how we show up in relationships, but it's also how we project ourselves in relationships and not always our most high vibe selves. Uh, I like to, since I'm coming from an empowering lens, I don't like to talk about positive and negative traits. Every sign through my lens has high vibes and low vibes and lightness and shadow. And we go through all of those. We're human beings. We can't always be in the high vibe. And my point is to kind of make people aware when they're acting in their low vibe so that they can empower themselves to shift in the high vibe. And the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of the time, if you're acting um, in a low vibe state in your relationship, you're probably embodying the low vibe trait of the descendant. Mm. You maybe attract... Um, so, for instance, you have... A Taurus descendant. Totally. Scorpio ascendant, Taurus descendant. You may attract a lot of Taurus energies in your life or earthly energies in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, grounding. Uh, and when you project your shadow side in relationships, it could be the low vibe trait of Taurus. So it's like, like hoarding. Stubborn. Scarcity. Kind of, yeah. Covering, hoarding, um, being just kind of like uh, argumentative. No, argumentative. <laughs> <laughs> a, a tree too grounded, like it's not gonna move. Inflexible you know, is great. what my mother would always call me. Inflexible, because if you're not moving with the wind, you're gonna crack, and then that's gonna be not good for the other person, and also not good for yourself. Oftentimes, it's funny when people say, "Oh, I don't like like I don't." I don't like Taurus energy. I don't like, um, like Taurus annoys me or, or they piss me off or something. I was, it Oftentimes I could be looking and be like, oh, actually you have Taurus in your descendant. Because a lot of the time what we don't like in another sign, you embody that very potently somewhere in your chart. Because every planet and house and sign in our chart is just a reflection for us to connect back to ourselves. Ah, oh, so true. That's so hard medicine. Is, it is hard medicine, but it's important medicine because it's how we evolve with our chart. But every placement or every energy that you come into contact that you just don't vibe with, I often encourage people to like, all right, let's look at where that is, what's going on with that in your chart, and how can we work with that and get a deeper perspective. What's a sign that you had to grow to love? What's a sign that I had to grow to love? You can be honest on this podcast. <laughs> oh, wow, well, yeah. I'm being totally honest. But I'm, I, the reason why I pause is because I honestly don't have a sign that I'm like, ugh, or... Well, I, in I, the I past, you never, like, in, like at first, when it happened to you, when you were like, ugh, oh, I don't really like that sign. But then you started, like, learning about it, and you accepted it within yourself. Maybe when I first started learning astrology, you know, you have all those astrology memes, um, which are hilarious, but um, some of them can be a bit uh, volatile. A lot of them talk about like Capricorn being super boring and then all, all about business and money. And, and when I was reading all about that, because I also have a stellium Capricorn, and I was like, that's not me. Like, I don't feel like. Like, you know, the rough and tough businessman, concerned with finances and getting to the top. And, 
I feel like it, it's always portrayed like that. So maybe that's one that I felt disconnected to. So how do you how do you think about Capricorn? Because I feel like that's totally like not completely what it is, right? So like, it isn't, yeah. What do you love? What have you found that you like love about Capricorn? What I love about Capricorn is something that you already brought up. You know that like that slow and arduous step by step by step because that Capricorn placement has truly taught me patience. Sorry, it's truly teaching me patience because <laughs> I'm a super impatient person and I super fast with my mind and my words and my actions and, and I have to teach myself patience through Capricorn. You know, I always think of, you know, those, that mountain goat getting to the top of the mountain on those craggy little mountains. You look up there and you're like, how the hell did it get all the way to the top of there? But it's like that Capricorn. They, they don't care how long it takes to get to the top. But you're going to look up there and be like, whoa, like, you're going to have so much more respect for them because of all the work and arduous attempts that they made to get to the top of whatever they're trying to conquer. So um, is yours in your 12th house? No, you have an Aquarius sun. Not my, Cap- the- my, Capricorn, my Capricorn is in the 6th house. Ooh, so your work and your health, right? Yeah. It's part of like kind of my north node is in there too. So this is like oh, a huge this is a big for year for in. you. Yeah, it's a huge calling for me to step into the work that I do, and it's everything. Why I'm talking though, why I'm trying to serve the collective, collective in a grounded and pragmatic way, because I'm taking all of the you know it's in the house of service, it's in the house of the healer. You know, and I got to take all these like mystical ideas and really ground them in a Capricorn fashion. What do I have in my sixth house with a whole sign? You have uh, Aries in the sixth house. I feel that. I'm very entrepreneurial. Yeah. Hey, very entrepreneurial. Yeah, Aries wants to be their own boss. They don't I, I struggle working with rules. others. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Aries energy. It's very intense. <laughs> how was your Saturn return this year it was really really hard I'm yeah, glad I mean, it's coming to now. an end yeah it was really hard but like I feel like it changed me for the better like totally mm-hmm. I feel like a completely different person probably that Pluto <laughs> just yeah. changing yeah, but through Totally. But like a really big thing that happened this year was I stopped smoking weed and I was smoking for Mm. like a decade, like every day, like it really helped me until it didn't help me anymore. And it was like out of the blue, I decided to stop from like these mystical signs from God. It sounds crazy, but I did. No, I'm here for it. And it like, I'm a completely different person now. And it's something that I never thought I would even do. Like if you told me that in the beginning of like last year, I would have been like, oh my God, you're so silly. Like I, like I was working at a dispensary last year. Like it was such a big part of my life. (laughs) Yeah. And so. Especially because like. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was going to say like. 
one of the because your your Saturn return is going through Capricorn, and one of the things I want to mention about Capricorn too, you asked me how it related. I always see Capricorn as uh, this beautiful, beautiful crystal, mm. right? We go through, and we have um, we have Taurus, we have Virgo, we have Capricorn, the three Earth signs, and by the time we've got to Capricorn, it's kind of like digging through because Capricorn's a lot of hard work digging through that underground rock and it's a lot of work and it's painful work and it's stressful work but you know it we come to that point where you do all that work there's got to be something underneath all that rock and what it is like a beautiful crystal cluster and that's how I've kind of been viewing that in return to <laughs> to um to uh what's the word be a little bit more free free flowing with my Saturn return um, so have you gone through yours? Yeah, I'm currently like I have Saturn literally the very last degree of Capricorn. So I'm working my way up. But I was going to say for you, like your those like Saturn and Pluto and, and recently Venus are like passing over Neptune. Yes. You know, and Neptune rules like addictions and substances and weed and alcohol and I can imagine when those planets were uh, passing across that house for you you your mind became much less foggy and maybe oh my God, totally. you were able yeah I was getting like re- such bad OCD last year mm-hmm. where it was like I couldn't think clearly at all and then yeah. once I've stopped, it was like, it's totally, that's totally how it feels. Like, it's been like a clearing, like a lifting of this fog. And that's totally Absolutely. not, and it's so hard because that's not how it started. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's so like it a never slow is, right? progression. Yeah. You never come out of the sad or turn anywhere close to from when you enter. Oh my God. But yes. Yeah. But Neptune is already so foggy and already so nebulous. Um, and I and had so Neptune we, on my moon, I think, also. Yeah. Yeah. You will. You have, like, Neptune is going over your moon right now. Mm hmm. Um, and so, yeah, when Neptune is already foggy, when we're adding substances, substances to the mix, that's just like can't even see your way out so when Saturn and, and Pluto even are crossing through that it's like the universe giving a shake to your shoulders and being like all right like wake up like, hey, <laughs> you yeah. need to yeah. stop hey bitch time to wake up <laughs> maybe even it knocked you down a couple times totally and I thought it would be like so hard to stop like because it was I mean, I still, like, I still have, like, a big part of my heart where, like, I love it. It's not like I think it's bad mm-hmm. or anything. But I thought it would be really hard, but it's been, like, so easy. It was just, like, yeah. making the change. And then everything, I feel like, has just completely, like, fell into place since then. And it's only been mm-hmm. a couple months. So I'm very yeah. optimistic about the whole thing now. Cool. And I'm sure, like, you know, like, that passing through, like I said, it clears up so much fog, and it, it, it clears your, it brings mental clarity so that it, it improves the way you speak to yourself, your own inner voice, but it also relates to how 
the archive and how messages from God or angels or the universe or whatever you whatever you want to call it. Well, it was also those like messages my dreams. come in so much more easily. And your dreams. Totally, because you can't really dream when you're smoking, or you don't dream as much when you're using cannabis. I've read that, yeah. So that was kind of like what prompted me to make the change was like, well, if I stop, then I'll start dreaming again. And then I feel like I can get a dream message about why I still have all this anxiety. And so it was this like such a roundabout way to like get me to do what I needed to do. But I am right now all about dream healing. I am obsessed. I think it's like the coolest thing ever. Um, I was going to ask you too, yeah, do you keep a dream journal? Because that would be super important work for you. Yes, I do. I love it. Yeah. Um, And I feel like I can dream for other people. I know that sounds like super weird. But I feel like I get messages for other people. I don't know. That's still exploring it. But yeah, it's pretty cool. That is cool. But I think it's also interesting because I thought like, because you feel like so connected spiritually when you're smoking. So I was like, if I stop smoking, am I still going to be connected? Like, I don't want to lose that part of my life. But I feel like stopping... Yeah it like completely just took it to another level. Absolutely. Cause like, you know, that space that you fill with, with weed and getting high, you recognize that there, there are higher energies trying to come in. And when you open that space for the universe and you actually do the work, the universe is going to fill that space with so much goodness, so much love, so much good stuff. So when you're you're actually in Saturn, it's teaching you to just show up and do the work. And so beautiful things are on their way for you. Dude, Saturn is like your cosmic daddy. Saturn is the cosmic <laughs> grandpa daddy. Yeah. And it's so interesting getting to talk to you because you literally just came out of you because when you're going through your Saturn return, you know, Saturn makes three exact hits to you. Um so you, your, your last one, your last and final one for the Saturn return was in October. So just a couple months ago. I feel that. October Yeah, was you, hard. Had Fe- you had February, July, and October. Yeah, October. At like, when was it? When was it exact in October? Um, or is that, if that's God. like too, too much, <laughs> don't worry about it. It's not too much. I get really geeky with this kind of stuff, but I just like, I just quickly wrote down the month. I didn't write the actual date. Yeah, I feel like it was hard in October because of Mercury being in Scorpio. And I feel like I yeah. got into like a bunch of really deep shit that I didn't yeah. want to deal with. But I feel like it's better that I did deal with it. And now that I did, I feel like it's like being cleared out. Did yeah, you find Scorpio any- brought up a lot. Yeah, Almost like Scorpio brought up a lot of deep shit for the collective this year. Um, but it, it's important at the same time because you know we're everything that's happening this year, especially these last months of 2019, is really gearing us up for 2020 and for the next decade. Okay, so I feel like we should start talking and including everybody because I am totally monopolizing the okay. whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, we're just going to like get past this for an hour. Of just but even like, I love listening to people getting readings. Like, 
Because there's always something you can learn and it's so much fun and you like yeah. take things away. Is there anything that you I mean, like that's... saw on my chart that you were like, ooh, I've got to tell her? Uh, okay, let's see. Before uh, we move on. Well, <laughs> obviously that huge ass I'm in the third house for you. I was like, whoa, that's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and right now, uh, Brandon, for you, there's a lot of stuff uh, reacting with your ascendant, you know, Jupiter, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, all the stuff going on for, for you stepping into your power and recognizing your identity and having personal awareness. You have Jupiter creating a sextile to your ascendant right now, um, and that's a lot of freedom. It's like going into a movie theater and you like going into a movie theater during the day and it's all dark and when you come out you know you come and walk outside and you're like ah the light like you're like a vampire Ooh. and all that light is all the freedom that's being thrown your way right now and this transit often speaks to reinventing some piece of yourself or even moving like physically moving um what else is happening Oh, Uranus, you have Uranus. Ooh, let's uh, talk about that. Uranus is intense. Yeah, because you have Uranus. Um, oh, also, sorry, you have, this is important. Jupiter in the sky right now is creating opposition to your natal Jupiter, which is a mm-hmm. huge, pivotal moment. moment. Um, so what does that mean? Am I going to explode of expansion? Yes, right <laughs> after this podcast, you're going to explode right after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's they're right across from each other, so it's it's actually a very tough transit for most people, um, because Jupiter is that that lock optimism advancement. But so I don't know what tough break you're kind of might be going through right now. Maybe you're not going through it, but whatever toughness you're working with in your life, it's to speak that as soon as Jupiter keeps like moving in the sky, off, uh, momentum is going to pick right back up again. Right? It's like so a it, Where is it, like, so it would be... Because Jupiter, right, Jupiter actually just moved into Capricorn, right? And it'll be there for pretty much all of 2020. So it's in um, the third house then. In the third, it's moving through your third house, and you were born with Jupiter in your ninth house. Hmm. Yeah, so if you are experiencing toughness, lucky breaks are like, they're coming. And this transit asks you to just be grateful for whatever you're going through right now and trusting the process and trusting that momentum is going to pick up again. Because as soon as Jupiter keeps moving, that's when the good things start rolling for you again. I feel like everything seems so easy after all that Saturn stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and you well, like, and and for you especially, like literally just coming out of your final Saturn return because you know when I said those three hits of Saturn, February, July, and October for you, October was you know the one the first hit of your Saturn return is like it comes and it's like in your face and sometimes it catches you off guard. You're like, oh my god, what is this? And then when it goes retrograde and hits your second second point, that's when you're like, okay, 
I've experienced it. I kind of know what I'm working with. I made a plan. Let's try it out. Boom, boom, boom. You, you work with it. Things are still like the universe is still giving you a little shake. And then when it finally turns direct and hits your, the third and final hit, which was for you in October a couple months ago, that's like you being like, all right, I know what I'm doing. I've worked like my ass off during this Saturn return. And it's my, it's kind of like your final, it's like the universe giving you a final exam. And it's like, all right, show me what you learned. Show me what you know. Ooh, and you work through it. I love and that. Then you, and then you prosper. So, yeah, you have, you might be feeling that just like relief of like, ah, I'm done. I feel like it gives you the exam you totally don't want to take. Always. It always gives you the exam you don't want to take. It's like you go into it and you're like, ah, I got this. Like, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. going to be a big and deal. And the universe is like, ha, 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 you think you're fine. <laughs> so how do you think, like, people that are about to go through a Saturn return or going through one, do you have any advice for them? Don't be scared of your Saturn return. That's good advice. Don't. It'll change you for the better. It will change you for the better. You know, one, like I said earlier, astrology is on the rise in pop culture and our society is really like even some I read somewhere that some weather stations are starting to talk about Mercury retrograde and all this cool stuff which is awesome but that being said the only thing I don't like about astrology like in modern day culture is that there's still a lot of fear around it you know the people who have even if you don't know astrology the people who have heard about Mercury retrograde it's always they're always like Oh, why are people warning me about Mercury retrograde? Why, why do I have to be careful? Why do I have to be worrying about my technology or more my laptop or signing contracts? You know, because whatever we read and whatever we see about astrology lately is a lot of like scary stuff. And Saturn, like Mercury retrograde and Saturn return, are probably the two biggest like buzzwords in astrology lately. Um, and for anyone going through Saturn return. I want to say you don't need to be scared. It's going to be tough, you know. I, as much as empowering as I like to be through astrology, I, I don't like to sugarcoat things. So it's going to be tough, and it's meant to be tough because you're leaving your twenties. You're entering this new decade. You're entering this new genre of your life, and it's asking you. The universe is asking you, and Saturn is asking you to set up these boundaries, set up these, set down these pathways. Um, and it's going to take you new places. You never enter your Saturn return and come out of it the same person, which sounds really intense because it is really intense. But it's also really beautiful to know that to know that before you go into it, and by the time you come out, you don't even know what that's going to look like because you can't even grasp what if you show up and are doing all the work and working with Saturn and not against Saturn, right? Because Saturn return is going to pull you through your shit whether you want to go through it or not. So it all depends if you're going to step up to the plate and work with it. I totally, thinking about it now, I know what the October thing was. The October thing was like <laughs> feel finally feeling like an adult, but feeling really sad about it. Like, yeah. there was this immense, like, depression of, like, oh, like, I'm an adult now. Like, I don't have the same relationship with my parents. Like, that's different. And that made me kind of sad. And 
And it was like all good things, but it was still mm-hmm. like this. I don't know. It was almost like a grieving of like my younger self, like really yeah. coming to terms with like, oh, I'm an, I'm an adult. I don't know. There's something like so bittersweet about it. Absolutely. And that's because that's all that Saturn embodies. And, you know, when we're going through our 20s, we're, we're having fun, we're meeting all these people, we're having all these experiences, da 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 And then finally, it's like, poof, you go this transition period and you come out, you're like, wait, I'm an adult now? What? When did that happen? And especially for you, you know, right now, Saturn is still in conjunct with your natal Saturn. And that speaks to events, experiences, or people coming into your life to awaken your ambition, awake, awaken your responsibility, awaken your authority. So those are, those can be, those are heavy words, but they're important words, but they're very grown-up words, right? They <laughs> it's are. It's like those are not your fan words anymore. It's like, with like the, you know, it's totally the great power comes great responsibility, and it's like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> no. And, and I don't know what's going on with your parents right now, but you do have your Wearing your MC, um, which speaks to an advancement in some part of your career, um, but that advancement kind of clashes or goes at odds with something with your family or some form of authority or something like that. It's, those two ideas are clashing. Yeah, my mom's like, it, "What? You're a witch." <laughs> Oh, okay, there, there, there you go. Yeah. She's like, pardon me? Yeah, like, what? She's like, very, it's very, it's a very slow acceptance. But, yeah. and then okay. my dad is a geologist. So he's like, oh, it's so fun hearing you talk on your podcast. You sound like a repressed scientist. <laughs> and I'm like, nah. oh. <laughs> You're like, thank you. <laughs> thank so you much. so much. I know they mean it in like the nicest way and that's like part of it where it just kind of makes me sad where it's like oh yeah like they don't it's like knowing that they're never fully gonna understand me Mm -hmm. and then it's like just like owning your own happiness is part of becoming an adult but it's also just like a little sad you know what I mean yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. I know exactly what you mean. So that's what's going on with me, guys. Because, <laughs> because our parents were, you know, our parents were raised in this generation where, you know, you you get a job, you stay there for life, you, you work your way up to the top, you make your money, you don't leave that space because, you know, you went to school for this, you worked this many years for this, so you, you just stay here. And, you know, our generation is coming in being like, fuck that. They're like, it's like, if I don't want to do that anymore, then I'm not going to do that anymore. And it's a huge calling to, especially this past year, to balance. That's what the cancer Capricorn Eclipses have been, you know, kind of working with that duality of, okay, self-care and hard work, you know, that past um, mindset of, you know, you go to university, you get a job, you stay. And, but also going against that and knowing that that's not, we, it's 2019, it's almost 2020, we're entering a decade where those new structures need to break. And for you, like moving into this transition of being a, a podcast with, yes. <laughs> uh, it's a 
beautiful time. Like the universe is all for it in your chart because you also have Uranus um, opposing your ascendant. And that, so Uranus is quirky. Uranus is funky. Uranus is weird, right? It is based on Aquarian energy. All and things Uranus, love. Yeah, and Uranus does whatever the fuck it wants to say. It's just like like a saucy old, like 90-year-old lady. Yes. She lives a long, long ass time, and she doesn't care what other people think about her when she says what she needs to say. So when you have Uranus opposing your ascendant, you get to toy with, all right, you're, you're kind of working into your, you're embodying this new voice, and you're just like, I have things to say, and I know they're important, and I'm just going to say them. And totally. things are going to happen, yeah. Whether I like it or not. So let's talk more about the eclipse because I feel like this is like a very big thing. Mm -hmm. And the listeners want to know. Yep. And like also, I guess the past year, right? Because, or yeah, Yeah. past year. Or this is the last installment of it. Uh, so we have our eclipse coming up this is like on Christmas Day, I guess depending on where you are. Um, December twenty fifth, yeah, we have our eclipse coming up and after that, when is the we have an eclipse in January. Um, yeah, so that that Capricorn eclipse is coming up uh, December twenty fifth, and then we have our full moon eclipse in Cancer, January tenth. So pretty much Starting now, I'm going to say even before the eclipse, because we also have the, the full moon in Gemini coming up, which is huge. That's bringing huge, uh, like, energetic symbols to work with, to, to because it's already the last full moon of the year. So it's getting, it, it's prepping us. So we have that new moon coming up December 25th. Between then and January 10th, the next full moon eclipse, that's like a portal. Um... And so from now until January 10th, a couple of days after January 12th, that's a portal for us to really, really, truly step into everything that we've learned this year. And the universe is asking, that's a lot for the universe to ask for us, and that's a lot for us to ask of ourselves to really embody what we've learned all year long. But at the same time, it's super necessary because 2020 is Huge. I mean, unless you've been living under an astrology rock, everyone's like, everyone knows 2020, you know? And it's everything, and it's a new decade, and we're being called to step up to the plate. And there's so much Capricornian energy happening in 2022. So it's like, kind of what I talked about earlier, you know, we've had to work and activate so much stuff this year as a collective. Um, And Coming in next year, like it's very it's tough energies to work with, but at the same time, if you've been doing the work and truly now going through this eclipse portal, if you if you tap into that work, uh, you're going to start to excavate that rock and find your crystal clusters. Do you ever have you ever heard that idea that there's like threshold guardians? Mm, what's a threshold guardian? Like, when you're going to go through a threshold, there's kind of, like, these tests that kind of make you, like, kind of test you to make sure you're kind of, like, ready to go through it. It would be, like, Saturn giving you tests, almost. 
I see. Okay. So I guess my yeah, question, I mean, if this isn't too esoteric, like for this oh my God, threshold, as esoteric as you can. like what would the guardians be for this eclipse? Like what would they be like asking of us to like allow us to like fully enter? Like what's something that we need to like maybe give up or do to like fully be present to like walk through? They're asking us to, and of course, it's so important to, through any transition, to be calling on your spirit guides because they're always around us. Um, but they're asking us to harvest and release any old familiar issues that we've embodied, that we've hardened to, or that we've been customized to believe and act upon. We're actually meant to start excavating those and harvesting them and releasing them. You know, Capricorn can be very hard set in their ways, um, but they're not always right. You know, as, as hard and as hard and mineral-like as Capricorn is, there's things below the surface that need to be cracked. So what that, so that's esoteric and bring that down to a more human, earthly experience. We all have shadows. We all have trauma. We all have addictions and patterns and stuff that we have, that we've embodied. And it's now time for it to recognize, like we have Saturn coming through and kind of with those barriers and Pluto kind of breaking them down and kind of being like, okay, let's get rid of these and let's dig in and transform. It's, it's, it's the time for us to call, to tap, to work into our higher self, our higher consciousness. Uh, and in order to do that, we need to do the work. So I feel like this this next full moon will be really big. Absolutely. And um, we have, so the full moon in Gemini, which is coming up uh, here in Thailand on the 11th. And it'll be exact. And we're already starting to feel that wherever you are, because we can, we can feel the energies a, a couple days before and a couple days after. But this full moon in Gemini is ginormous, and it's really prepping us for the year ahead, because what Gemini is, is it's this, um, what can I say? It's the spectrum, the spectrum of feelings and emotions. And, you know, when I'm talking about excavating, and harvesting and releases old patterns and beliefs and actions. It's just looking where you are at on the spectrum because let's take fear and, and uh, fear of love, for example, right? Maybe we're somebody who's not truly tapped into their self-love and they're in this fear-based place. We, Gemini doesn't want us to look at like these two things as separate. Rather, they're just on the same spectrum. And it's a gradual process to work from fear to get to love. And what that process looks like is stepping up and doing your shadow work or doing whatever work you're being called to do. Um, so, because Gemini has a matter of being the twin, being double-sided, double-faced. But really, Gemini is just multifaceted. Gemini is super curious. Gemini wants to work with that broad spectrum and understand that Anyone and everyone can move from fear to love because we are truly the embodiment of love. And it's also a really beautiful time to 
uh, you know, full moon is great for release and illumination and, and manifestation. Um, and a Gemini full moon is a great time to share our visions and share our dreams with other people because that's bringing the light of communication. And maybe I actually read something very interesting lately. Uh, they did a study at some university about um, the law of attraction and manifestation um, and, and, the, and the process to achieve. And they did a study and one group thought about uh, what they want to manifest. Another group wrote down, thought and wrote down what they wanted to manifest. Another group thought, wrote down, shared with a friend. They communicated with somebody and told them about their dream. And the last group um, did all those things, but did a weekly check-in with their friend. And the results at the end were the group who only thought about what they wanted to attract, only, I think, 34% achieve that and the last group the one who did all those steps and checked in with a friend and share with a friend every week you know that communication and like verbalizing what you want um whether it be to somebody or to the universe that was like 76 percent achievement so gemini Moon really wants us to engage with our dreams engage with our vision and share share with the world because the universe wants to hear it and our people around us want to hear it. I know that's how you spread good energy, and that's how we're, that's the pathway that we're setting down to walk into 2020. Oh, I love that. And I feel like I totally understand the Gemini Sagittarius polarity a lot more now that you talked about it. Like, I never yeah. really understood what they both had in common. Like, I understood that, like, Sagittarius's big vision but I never kind of understood that Gemini is kind of like the little details to make that vision possible. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if, if Gemini is, if, uh, is world global scale, sorry, if Sagittarius is world global scale, if Gemini is, you know, community-based, it's the sibling, it's people they're close to, it's learning in your own neighborhood and connecting with people through there. It's um, embodying new choices. And when you embody these new choices, that's how you grow. And this is especially important for 2020 when the, the lunar nodes are going to be switching into Gemini Sagittarius. So we won't have those Cancer Capricorn eclipses anymore. So what is going to, how do you think like moving from this set of eclipses to the next set of eclipses, what are we kind of like learning in the transition? All right. So I have the dates here for when the nodes are shifting. Uh, nodes will be shifting on May 5th, 2020. Gemini will be our North node and Sagittarius will be our South node for the next year and a half. So we'll take it into January 2022. Wow. Which sounds so far away now. Yeah. But that's, big energies to work with. So kind of what I was saying about some of the same patterns are going to come up with we already talked about, you know, when the North Node is in Gemini, that's working with these new choices because when we do the work and when we step into self-love and self-empowerment, so many more things become available to us. So many more opportunities for growth, you know. Even the disruptions that we go through and that we are currently going through right now and that are going to come up with this full moon 
come up with the Eclipse portal that's going to be bringing us into January, um, there's going to be disruption. There's going to be things and days that are going to make you feel so weary and so just like tough and shit where you just want to like uh, give up. But as soon as we shift our mindset into a space of gratitude for these disruptions where we can be like, okay, I'm actually really grateful for what's happening in my life right now because I know that these are not obstacles, but actually they're just gateways for me to reach a higher level. And that's what Gemini North Node is really going to be inviting us to join into um, starting next year. And then the Sagittarius Self Node is, you know, Sagittarius is that jet setter who loves traveling and going to just learn about different cultures, different people, different countries, tasting different foods. But I don't always like to say that just traveling because Sagittarius can also be traveling in the mind. Sagittarius goes places when they listen to podcasts, when they read books, when they watch things. You know, it's traveling of the mind as well. And when we travel really deeply into faraway places, whether physical or mental, we become familiar with patterns and behaviors and we can become skeptical of them, but we can also embody them so much that we don't hear other people's opinions or ways of living. So when Sagittarius is in the self knows, that's the time to erase those old familiar issues that aren't serving us anymore and kind of releasing them to make space for what Gemini wants to teach us. Wow. I'm so yeah. excited. And and Gemini, you know, because since Gemini is ruled by Mercury, Mercury will be going retrograde next year, of course, in the water sign. It'll be going retrograde through Cancer, June uh, to, to July. It's going to be going retrograde in Scorpio through October to November. And not only that, we have Venus and Mars going retrograde for the first time since 2018. And Venus is going to be going retrograde only one week after the lunar node shift in the Gemini Sagittarius. Wow. So the major the major lesson here is, you know, Mercury retrograding through these water signs, you know, communication, and Venus going retrograde is truly an aspect to us to tap into to our relationships, not only with others, but with ourselves and, and see what's working, what's not working, and really going deep. Venus retrograde can be very sticky, gooey energy. Um, but the major lesson of these retrogrades next year will be finding new ways to communicate our emotional needs within our relationships. It almost feels like this set of eclipses with the Capricorn Cancer was like, get your values right with yourself. And then next year's, it almost feels like, okay, now let's test it with you sharing it with other people and see how you do yeah. Seriously, that's a good way to look at it, too, because the Cancer Capricorn Eclipses also strives to teach us balance and right. balancing that masculine and feminine and, and the maternal and paternal energy. And, yeah, they definitely, every time the, the lunar nodes switch up, they, they bring really important lessons for us. So do you feel like it highlights not only the signs that it's in, but then also the house that that sign rules? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you feel it 
I mean, because these are, we have to keep in mind that these are collective patterns as well. You know, like everybody is feeling it. Um, but there might be somewhere based on your chart that you are feeling it specifically or that it's showing up more potently in some area of your life for you. Wow. So mine's going to be in yeah. the fourth house? Let's see for you. Uh, yeah, uh, you're, no, so it's Sagittarius. Second house and Gemini, eighth house. Oh. So for next year, when the North Node is in Gemini, you will be experiencing that in your eighth house. Deep, dark transformation. Oh, right. Guys, yeah. we're going to get freaky. Super, super fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then I feel like that feels self. like a big seance, right? Gemini in the yeah. eighth house. <laughs> Yeah, you know it. <laughs> yeah, call all your witchy friends. Yeah, where do you have it? Uh, North Node, Gemini, I have in my 11th house. Of Ooh, your community. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Especially for me, like, I'm really starting to expand um, my business here and getting really serious with it, so... Um, that's actually really cool. I haven't even, I actually didn't look at that until you just asked me. Um, but I, I've been working kind of small scale with, with Bangkok, people in Bangkok, and I, um, just recently started to get super serious. I mean, I created my website and created this space for reaching people through different parts of the world and doing really important work. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm super excited. You're so talented. Thank you. <laughs> so what's up with Jupiter and Capricorn? Okay, Jupiter and Capricorn. We got, hmm, Jupiter will be conjunct. Hold on, Everything. Well, Saturn. So let's start with Saturn conjunct Pluto. That yeah, that's freaking big. out about right. January 12th, which is quickly approaching because we haven't seen that conjunction since 1982. And what was happening um, in 1982? 1982, there was all this. So let me just break it down first. We got Saturn will be conjunct Pluto, Capricorn. So Capricorn are the societal structures. And uh, Saturn is creating the structures and boundaries. And Pluto, boom, is kind of like breaking forth creating and destroying and transforming everything that we built up. And we are definitely seeing this um, from a societal and a political uh, energy, the way the world is looking at the moment. But in 1982, uh, the world was strife with war. There was global tension. There were territorial issues. Um, and something actually that I, because for huge uh, transits like that, um, so I believe that one happens like every 38 years or something. Uh, something I like to do as an astrologer is to go back and look at the dates and be like, okay, uh, what what did we see in the past? Because these are going to carry heavy influences and seeing what we're going to see come up now, presently. Um, and like I said, there was that global tension. There were territorial, territorial issues in 1982. Now, if we go back another 38 years before that, that brings us to 1947. And something really cool happened then, or there's lots of stuff going on, but something that stood out for me, uh, Gandhi's 
political and social movement, um, and really just brought freedom to India. That's that's what was going on then. Wow, and that's so Pluto. Something really, really interesting too. So that happened in 1947, Gandhi's movement uh, in, in, with India's freedom, and then in 1982 when it happened again. That's when the movie Gandhi was released. Wow! So what a like, synchronicity! I, I know it's so cool, right? So, like our our world had this just like reflection and review of the last um, Saturn Pluto conjunction, and, and they released a movie about Gandhi's life, about what he did at the last conjunction. Obviously, uh, astrology wasn't a key. <laughs> role in the movie but it's so fascinating when i read that i was like oh my god that's so cool wow that's so interesting so do you have any predictions of what might happen i feel like it's time and maybe for everything that's going on in the states right now i mean i don't want to speak to yeah i don't and i'm I'm not, I don't follow politics and stuff, but I'm just speaking to like kind of what you, what you hear about and what, what's in the know. Um, and to be honest, I don't know a lot about what's going on because I'm not American and I don't follow that kind of stuff very closely. Um, but I can definitely say that there's going to be some shakeup and movements in the way people are reacting to the structures that are being placed. Um, around governments, around institutions, around families, like something is going to happen because we are becoming awakened. You know, the collective is truly, and this has been seen over the past few years that there's more consciousness um, flowing through humanity. Um, And the more conscious we become, the more we realize that, hey, these societies, these governments, these institutions, these things that are, you know, trying to control us or trying to be our ruler, like, that's not actually going to apply anymore for us. So, yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, I hope Trump gets impeached and we get a woman president. That would be very Pluto. That would be very Pluto, and I'm super down for that. (laughs) Yes. Um, okay, so I guess should we move into Jupiter then? Moving into the rest of the planets in Capricorn? Yeah, so Jupiter just recently moved into Capricorn. Um, and I actually just made a post about this on my Instagram. Because uh, it's kind of like, uh, the way I related to it was, you know, Jupiter has just spent a whole year in Sagittarius, which is its home sign which it, it loves being Sagittarius. Sagittarius is like its party home. So Jupiter partied its way through Sagittarius all last year, or first story for all this year, and it just moved Capricorn. So, you know, Capricorn, like you said, that like that old granddaddy. It's literally grandpa coming to the party and being like, all right, like, let's wrap it up, kid. It's time to come home. And, you know, he's Turn bringing them all outside. Down. Yeah, it turns that music down, and you know, it, at, at first it seems like this very like somber and like kind of boring or grumpy, you know, it's like the party's over, but party can't go on forever, you know, and that's, that's just the flow of life, it's the cycle of ups and downs, and it's important to 
come down from that, come back from that party, come back from that exploration, that adventure, wherever we were, and actually start again grounding everything we learned. You know, because everyone would have learned a lot this year, um, depending on which which house lights up on your chart. Um, but everyone would have learned a lot. Um, and and now it's time to actually bring those lessons in and integrate them. So it's kind of be a year. Uh, a year of hard work, like 2020 is no joke. And it, it, it calls us to step and step up the plate a lot. So Jupiter, we get through Capricorn from now all the way till next December. Um, yeah, it's, it's doing stuff with those lessons. Okay, tell me if this is like too much of an ask, but I feel like I love it when I hear on podcasts when they go through like each house and say like what you can kind of expect. So do you feel up for that with like Capricorn, like telling people like where they have it in their house or what house it falls in and like what kind of themes are being highlighted right now and what they can kind of like do? Cool. I'm down for that. Okay, so if so, Jupiter is in Capricorn all the way through December of 2020. So if you have Capricorn in your first house, you know you have just done a lot of work behind the curtains. You know, maybe private. Not a lot of people can see what you're doing, or you didn't voice a lot of stuff. This is your year to tear open the curtains and get on stage and step into your power and move forward. Yes. If you have, yeah, if you have Capricorn in your second house, um, that's the time to get serious about your finances. And then as not fun as it may sound for some people, but like really start to come up with a savings plan um, and actually thinking about the future um, and not just the now. Capricorn in the third house is reaching out to you know, like, it's using all the inner work that you've done and actually using it to reach out to the community in some way. And it doesn't need to be large scale, you know. It's just reaching out to the people around you and maybe um, redefining your relationship with your brothers and sisters. And that doesn't necessarily mean your familial brothers and sisters. It means the family that you created in your life. Capricorn in the fourth house, um, that's changes, activations related to the home. You know, it's it's getting, and not just the physical home, but it's getting a little bit more strict with, because the fourth house is also our body. You know, it, it, it's this body, it's our home, it's our, our, our temple. So it's getting a little bit more disciplined with, with who we invite into our space and who we surround ourselves with. Um, Capricorn in the fifth house, that's a lot of creative energy, and you might have this year been like getting all these synchronicities and insights and inspirations and ideas, and now it's the time to actually use them, you know? Whether you're a painter or a singer or an astrologer or a podcaster, it's like, all right, everything you've learned, use it. Go to the world, share it with the world, and share it from your heart space. We can feel when people are really tapping into their heart with the things that they share. Um, Capricorn in the sixth house is <laughs> so Jupiter in Capricorn in the sixth house. So Jupiter, because like I said, Jupiter is abundant, right? So, but it's it's abundant with whatever you're going into. 
So six house is often, you know, health and service. It's our body. It's the food that we put in. It's our exercise. So Capricorn is going to call you to get either strict with these regimes or it's going to do the opposite. It's going to literally expand your belly over your, over your belt. So it's, it's being mindful of the food that you're eating and the exercise that you're getting and how you're treating your body. And not just your body, but your mind. Um, Capricorn in, if you have Capricorn in the seventh house, this is, of course, relationships and partnerships, but not just with the people around us. It's also the relationship that we have with ourselves. So it's, and this energy can sometimes, you can get hard on yourself. You know, sometimes we, we get that inner voice coming in and, uh, saying things that don't make it feel high vibe and they make it feel kind of shitty. And sometimes we project these things into other people. So it's getting real serious about the way you treat your relationship with yourself and the way you treat others. Um, Capricorn in the eighth house, uh, like we brought up earlier, that's, that's sex, that's death, that's transformation, that's uh, gathering your witchy friends for the seances, we divorce night. Um, <laughs> getting real but, serious about all of that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's getting serious about, you know, this, this transit here, I feel like we're becoming so attuned to the mystical, the spiritual. There's more and more people getting drawn to it. It's one thing to listen to a podcast, to listen to somebody else get an astrology reading, to learn how to manifest, to learn how to meditate. But it's a whole other reality to actually put that into practice. Because you can do all these readings, you can learn all this cool spiritual stuff and, and read about it and watch other people doing it, but unless you're actually doing it, you are not going to feel the effects of it, and that's not you showing up. Um, and if you're not doing it, Capricorn in the 8th house is going to kind of wake you up to that. Um, Capricorn in the ninth house, uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me, Capricorn in the ninth house is Travel is philosophy, is culture, it's wisdom. Uh, it's going back to school. Okay? It's getting a little bit serious about mm. how you feed, feed your mind. Um, and that, those are the key words for that transit, feeding your mind. What are you feeding your mind with? Is it teaching you? Is it helping you to grow? Is it, or is it pushing you back into your shell? Is it pushing you back into what you think you already know that you've become super familiar with? So broadening the horizons of the mind. Capricorn of the tenth house. Um, you know, Capricorn Attentos is our getting serious with our career and our vocation. Um, and it's that balance of bringing abundance to the workplace and strategizing what that abundance looks like for you. And if you are, and making sure that your heart is there as well, and making sure that you're doing something that you actually love to do. Because if you don't, then this Jupiter moving through the 10th house is going to be like, okay, well, maybe you should be doing something else. You know, mm. is your heart here? What, what, if you don't feel lit up when you go to work, then you either need to change careers completely or put in different protocols that are going to help you to become a little bit more engaged at work. Um, copper point in the 11th house is reaching out to the collective, reaching out to the community. Um, it's friendships and the people that, again, the groups of people that we um, surround ourselves with. 
Um, and that's what I really want to focus on for this grant is, is who are you hanging out with? Who are your friends? Are they people who are supporting you, who are inspiring you, who you feel safe to share your dreams and visions with? Because, or are these, are these low-vibe people who are keeping you in these low-vibe, stagnant places? Are, they, are you surrounded by complainers and warriors and people who are stuck and just complain about being stuck but don't actually do anything about it? Because that affects our own cycles, our own spiritual cycles as well. So it's really getting down to who are you hanging out with? Um, and lastly, Capricorn, and we, we've come all the way to Capricorn in the 12th house, and I started with Capricorn in the first house, like I said, remember, we pull that curtain back and we step on the stage. Capricorn in the 12th house is that step right before we do that. So it's doing all the behind the scenes work, right? This is a year for you to really excavate, take that shovel, you know, dig deep into the earth, dig down to reach your subconscious, reach your unconscious, pay attention to your dreams and your messages and synchronicities. They all hold really important messages for you. This is a spiritual house. This is a spiritual world. So the more we really tap in and tune in this year for Capricorn and the 12th house, um, there's lots of you to hear if you're listening. Wow. That was amazing. I feel like I really put yeah. you on the spot. <laughs> That was no, a lot, I love but it. I great. love it. <laughs> I hope it resonates with people who who uh, can check their house with them when they work with it. I'm sure they. I'm sure it did. I believe it. Um. Okay. I have a quick random question. So, what is kind of the difference between Gemini and Aquarius? Gemini and Aquarius. They feel so okay. similar because they're kind of like both friends and fun and chatty and talkative and information. But like what kind of like distinguishes the two? Uh, okay, so they're both air signs, right? But they're both like splitting around everywhere, doing their own thing. Um, Gemini is very multifaceted, very curious about the world. For Gemini, it's... Uh, it's not about the end point of where they want to get to, but it's about the journey. They love the people, the places, the things they learned along the way. Gemini want if Gemini was in a play, Gemini doesn't just want to be the the script writer or the actor or the or the sound director. Gemini literally wants to do all of those things. He wants a little little piece or she wants a little piece of all of these parts. Um, because they can learn so much from all of these parts. And Gemini doesn't always necessarily go super deep with what they learn, um, but they they have a broad expanse for learning, like expanding their knowledge through everything. Um, and something funny I, I, I read about Gemini once was, it's super fun to have one Gemini friend, but if you have two Gemini friends, like, it can get a little crazy, a little hectic. <laughs> it's so funny because my gathered. husband is a Gemini, yeah. and then his new boss Ooh. is also a Gemini, and I call them the Gemini <laughs> twins, and it's hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. And they're just kind of, like, swirling around each other. It works out um, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, Gemini just, like, soft, green breeze. It's like a fresh, fresh breeze coming into the room. Really fun. Gemini is really fun energy. Um, and now Aquarius. Aquarius 
if Gemini is that fresh breeze going to the room, Aquarius is like the air or non-air in space. Mm. Like that galactic, cosmic, vibrational field in the solar system. Um, and Aquarius is also an air sign. But if I'm going to distinguish between the two, if I talk about Gemini wanting to be every single thing on the stage, Aquarius is going to look at this play and be like, I don't want to do that play. Like, this is, if this is a huge popular play right now and everyone's going to see it and everyone wants to be involved in it, he was like, I'm going to go see a different play. Or I'm going to go make my own play. I'm going to go write my own play. Right? Aquarius, they, they get along very well because they're two air signs. They can, they're, they're very compatible. Um, but Aquarius is very quirky and eccentric. And they are not going to be, Gemini is drawn to everything and everyone. Aquarius, like, doesn't have that. Because Aquarius has their boundaries, and they like it that way. They like to be a little bit distant. They like to be a little bit different. They like to be a little bit weird. Like, weird is not um, a burn to an Aquarius. Like, weird is actually a compliment to Aquarius. So they seem to be like a little quieter. Aquarius? Mm-hmm. I can definitely like Gemini super chatty, of course. Like mm-hmm. if you if you're not a chatty person, don't give your phone number or email to a Gemini. They will they will definitely call you or write to you or text you. Um yeah, Aquarius. <laughs> I actually just read a hilarious meme this morning about and I posted it on my Instagram story. Because I'm a son of Aquarius. Oh my god, yeah. It's like, like, you're an Aquarius. <laughs> yeah, it was showing a text message. The Aquarius was being like, hey, is everything okay? And the person responded like, no, like, I'm really not having a good time right now. And then Aquarius is like, okay, just checking. And like, just leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Aquarius. Because they don't always want to, maybe I'm speaking from personal experience. But Aquarius doesn't always want to engage with people like Aquarius, like, has that independent streak where they do sometimes recharge through being on their own and having their own space and not always being around lots of people. And sometimes that's small. You know, when you're around lots of people and and have those interesting uh, relationships with people, you have, that comes along with small talk, you know? And Aquarius is not always down for small talk. Aquarius is like, Okay, get it forward. Like, let's get to the good stuff. Mm. So how do you think they, like, really, like, relate to community then? Okay, yeah. So that's so weird. Like, um, <laughs> They do it cosmically through your soul. Yeah. That's <laughs> the weird dichotomy between. And, uh, again, that brings in the high vibe and low vibe Aquarius, right? Because... I always think of Bob Marley when I when I teach Aquarius. You know, he had this vision and he connected people through music. And like, mm-hmm. I really see music as an Aquarius thing. You know, it it, it any music you listen to is is bringing you to this space and this vision that whatever the artist is trying to convey through sound. And astrology is Aquarius too. And it's like. Aquarius energy, when they reach out to the community, their whole aim and their whole vision is to get the collective moving forward, you know, moving our generation ahead so that we can raise our consciousness, so that we can tap into our self-love, so that we can feel empowered and and 
doing the work with compassion and self-awareness. It's very transformative energy, and I, and I want everybody to vibrate with like rose quartz love vibration. Low vibe Aquarius, though, is a hermit. Low vibe Aquarius can be super, like they, again, that's how they have these visions to get the community moving is because they're different from what everybody is working with, vibing with, right? Steve Jobs, Aquarius, a long time ago, he had a vision that everyone would have a computer in their home and everyone in society was like, what the fuck is a computer? Like, that's not going to happen. Like, nah. And now look at us, look at 2019, like we are obsessed with technology. And yeah, it, sometimes it doesn't do as well, but it has progressed, progressed forward. Now, low vibe Aquarius doesn't want anything to do with anybody. Low vibe Aquarius can become very distant, very detached because they, they are so different from everybody else. They have very different work ideas from everybody else. And sometimes they can feel alienated. And sometimes they like to feel alienated, and sometimes it's to the point where it's like they don't feel like being around other people. They just want to work in their own space. So it's important for an Aquarius, if they're truly going to tap into their high vibe, use those quirky ideas, use, bring, like, do the work, bring them out to the collective, um, but also knowing that it's okay to have your own space. It's okay to be distant and, you know, Detached can mean just having some space and having some time alone to yourself. Like, that, that's how I recharge. I don't recharge around other people. I don't recharge around my partner. I need to be on my own. And a lot of people don't necessarily always understand that, but it works for me. And then I, and then I come back and it's good. But if I, I definitely in the past have had to learn to, you know, not become so distant or detached that I detach from myself as well. So it, it, it's a whole continuum of, of lessons each sign has. Wow, I'm so glad I asked that. that Sorry, my answers are like 12 minutes long. That was an exceptional answer. <laughs> I know, you can you can tell me to shut up after any answer because I want to keep talking forever. <laughs> no, I love it. Okay, so what do you, what are your thoughts about like your rising sign? Versus your sun sign. And then also, have you heard about the idea of like your rising sign is what you're moving into, some people say. And then some people say your rising sign is what you've been in like a past life. Or I don't know. I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I don't really... Um, I don't vibe with the rising sign as a past life. There are definitely points in the chart where I'll look out for past life karmic energy. Um, and, and the way I like to see it is our, <laughs> it, our, our sun sign is our inner father, our moon sign is our inner mother, and our rising sign is our inner child. So our rising Ooh. sign is, is something that we have to tend to and nurture and take care of literally just like a child. Um, uh, I've heard it said that we, up until like through children all the way to like teenagers, teenagers, we play out, we are our moon sign, you know? We, we are not our rising, we are not our sun yet. So, like eventually we evolve and organically grow into those. But we play out our moon sign all the way through teenagehood because 
if you think about it, there's something super magical about being a child and being a teenager and being an adult, you know? Kids look up to teenagers and are like, ooh, they're so, like, they're so captivating, they're so cool, they're so magical because they know something that children don't know. It's like they're kind of like a mini adult in a sense. But then when teenagers transition into the adulthood, it's like they forget something about childhood and they're hardened by societies and roles and the norms and regulations and institutions. So they become hardened. So they actually forget their inner child, which is our rising sign. So it's super important to water it and give it care and step into it. You know, when we embody our rising sign, and it's also the entrance to our entire chart. So we nurture and embody our rising sign and get playful with it. You know, if our inner child get playful with it, then the rest of our chart vibes. I love that. Do you have any other tips for like creating harmony, like looking at your chart and like, I don't know, like, I just loved the way you were like, oh, is it all just kind of like flowing now for you? Is there anything else you like look to to like create harmony within transits or charts? You got what I'm asking. Yeah. Um, I would say just create your own harmony. Create what you want and work with your vision because even the hard transits, are quote unquote are teaching us something. You know, even the squares, even the oppositions, they're they're there. We can view them as obstacles or disruptions, or we can view them as opportunities. So if things are maybe seemingly not flowing for you, yeah, as an astrologer, we can definitely take a look at your chart and see what's going on. But you always have the choice to change your attitude, change your mindset tap into gratitude for whatever you're going through because as soon as you tap into gratitude, then you start flowing. I love that answer. Um, What do you think about people for 2020? Like everybody creates goals. It's like such a Mm -hmm. Capricorn thing. Um, Yeah. Do you have any like thoughts about people who are like setting goals for themselves this new year? And, like, maybe astrologically, like, how can we use this energy to kind of, like, or maybe, like, what's a good goal to set or how to, something helpful with it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I keep saying this is the end of an era, right? And it's the beginning of another one, 2020. And with this hard Capricornia energy that we're going through, we are going to be forced to respond to events that are outside of our control. That, that are coming our way regardless of whether we're ready for them or not. And yeah, maybe that can sound a little bit scary, but they're coming for a reason. And maybe we have consciously buried them down so we don't want to look at them. But they're coming up. And we might not be able to control the way they show up in our life, but we can control the way that we react to them, right? 2020 will call out our greatness. 2020 will call out everyone's greatness. And everyone knows how to show up in the world as a great human being. And everyone does that in a very truly creative and unique and special way. But it's a choice. We don't always show up as a great human being. And that's okay. We're, we are, we're, we're spiritual beings, but we're living a human experience. So it's normal to have not our great day. But it, it gives everybody a chance to truly step into 
their greatness and show up for whatever is coming their way. Wow, I'm so excited for everybody. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to like get everybody to feel really excited about it because everything I see and read is like, oh, 2020, scary. It feels it, like it feels like big, scary in the way like a roller coaster feels scary, but it still yeah, seems that's fun. Yeah, a good way of putting it. Yeah, that is a good way of putting it. Where you just, like, like scream the whole way, but it's, like, kind of exhilarating and, like, big changes and little loop-de-loops. Loop-de-loops, and you get those butterflies in your stomach, but just knowing that the ride will end, and maybe you'll want to go on the ride again when it's up. And then it's Gemini, which is just so fabulous. Do you ever, you you got me thinking about, like, Because you were talking about, like, the weather that was going on. Do you think about, like, the signs with what type of, like, season it is that's going on in that time and, like, how it kind of influences the energy? Um, Absolutely. We're, like, we're quickly approaching winter solstice, right? And that's when I skipped it in the Capricorn season, which the ruler of Capricorn is Saturn. Saturn is the ruler of darkness, uh, and, you know, I guess, like, Saturn sets up these boundaries, Saturn sets up these walls, which can, yeah, sometimes they can block the light if they become too high, we have to be responsible with that, but we're setting them up for a reason, and it, it can be dark at first, but you create your light, right? If you are creating healthy boundaries and healthy walls around your energy, around your heart, around your friends, around you as a human, uh, you're going to create your own life within these walls. It's just being mindful of not stacking them up too high because you can't... I was, no, never mind. I was going to say something, but that's not true. You absolutely can grow through the darkness. I love that. You totally can, because I feel like it, like, takes you to this new dimension if you're thinking about it very weirdly. Yeah, it's like you can't, you can't learn what it is to be happy if you don't know what sadness feels like. You can't, you can't, you know, skip and sing in the daylight if you don't know what it feels to be privately and mysteriously secluded in the nighttime. Nighttime is super important for our soul. Right. All of the different contrasts. Yeah. What's your favorite season? My favorite season is... Ah, I love all of the seasons. I can't pick one. Probably the spring. The spring is lovely. The spring? Yeah. The spring is great. I love, like, Taurus season is my favorite. Like, May? Who doesn't love May? I always think of, like, that Justin Timberlake meme where he's like, it's May! That's gotta be May, <laughs> yeah. I know, when, like, the air is so fresh again and you can hear the birds and the nature is quietly waking up. Totally, like, the garden vibes of, like, little butterflies fluttering around you and going for nice runs. Yeah. Ah, it's just so nice. And it's not too hot Spring's yet. a good one. What about you? 
Um, I mean, I live in Thailand, so I don't really get seasons <laughs> anymore. <laughs> My favorite season is fall. Um, yeah, I love fall too. So yeah, I really love and like when Libra and Scorpio season comes in. Libra, Libra is really cool because it gets us to reinvent our relationships, and Scorpio is really cool because it gets we get to play with our shadow work, our shadow side. Um, and I just miss fall so much. I love fall. I love this. I love this. It's a changing season. You know, the the heat is dying down. The everything's starting to die. But at the same time, everything looks super beautiful and pretty. And it's just like a reminder that even through your transformation, even through the little death that you go through in life, can be a beautiful transition. Man, you can't wear any knit goods. What's that? You can't wear any knitted like hats or sweaters or any like well, cute. Never, ever, ever, I know, I love sweater weather and getting all cozy stuff, but I will say, probably for the past week here in Thailand, um, we've had, like, completely out of the blue weather. This is going to sound really annoying when I say this, but I actually am bundled in sweaters and sweatpants because we are down to, like, 19 degrees Celsius (laughs) with, with a breeze, with... I told my family this the other day, and they're like, hey, fuck you, it's like negative 10 here in Canada. Uh, but here, I'm like, we never get that weather, and this is like fall weather right now for me. So I'm like, ooh, I'm loving this. Oh, that's so cool. So, okay, so I feel like I've taken up like so much of your time, but before you go, I just want to hear what it's like to live there. Like, what's it been like? Like, how did you come to move there? Like, what's the experience like? I know this is, like, a super broad question, so you can kind of dive into it as much as you want. It's a beautiful place. I think when I was in university, I I spent the summer abroad in Australia. I had a holiday work visa, so I was living and working there just for a few months. And before I came home to Canada uh, to finish my schooling, I came here to Thailand just for one week. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell in love with the, the lush jungles, the aquamarine, aquamarine seas, the, the nature, I mean, the city, obviously. It's just everything. Is, it's like Alice in Wonderland over here. Like, you come over to a Southeast Asian country, and it's the complete opposite of what I grew up in in Canada, uh, close to Toronto. And I just love that, that different way of life and culture. So I came back to Canada. And I was like, I had two more years of schooling left. Um, and I was like, I'm going to move to Thailand when I'm done. And I had that in my mind. And I was like, I, it's just going to happen. And I, after I graduated, I, I moved out here immediately after I graduated. And I started working and teaching at an international school, um, uh, which, I still, which I still work and teach at. I'm a mindfulness instructor there. Um, and yeah, I guess the coolest thing was like traveling and has really enriched my knowledge of the world and also how I connect to myself. And it brought me to this path, um, the spiritual path. And I had my, I had my Jupiter return when I moved out here, which is kind of just like a spiritual awakening. And the way that panned out for me was like, you know, I'm, I'm amidst, uh, uh, a Buddhist place. Uh, it's, it's a lot of Eastern, Eastern medicine, Eastern spirituality, 
and the way I work with people um, with astrology and, and transformation coaching uh, is kind of using what I learned here in the Eastern world with my background of the Western and using those to create medicine for people to transform. That is so cool. Do you have any mm-hmm. like really big ninth house house placements or Sagittarius? I actually don't. I just have my so my ninth house is ruled by Aries, which makes sense for me because I'm super super independent. Love. So the last thing I was saying, sorry, was I have Sagittarius in my fifth house. So really, truly, everything I've learned. Um, through traveling has really just affected my journey and it's the way I relate to my heart, it's the way I, I can connect with other people and share my stuff through this passion. All of my travels really contributed to that. Ah, oh, I love that. Yeah. So is there any like last thoughts about the year or anything else that you would want to share with everybody? Oh, I think the last thing would just to be this this full moon that we're having this week uh, is, is a big wake-up call to bring conscious awareness to whatever is coming up um, around our life because it's also creating a square to Neptune, and Neptune literally does the opposite of that. It avoids it. It lives in this fancy, hazy world. Um, so just for a lot of people... Uh, a message would be to kind of don't deal with your craft later. Deal with it now because we're entering the this eclipse portal, which is growing in the 20s, which is going to kickstart everything in January. So, yeah, just work with whatever's coming up in your life and know that everything is always going to be okay. I love that. I'm actually doing a grief ceremony with my friend. Um, oh, what is that? On Wednesday. We're, like, making it up. I kind of just, like, suggested it, and then we randomly, mm-hmm. like, planned it for... I was like, oh, maybe the Gemini full moon would be, like, a good time to do it. And then now that yeah. I'm hearing all this, I'm like, oh, this is so perfect. So Absolutely. we're going to write out, Hello. like, things that we're, that we are grieving and what we want to release. So mm-hmm. it's, like... I made up like all of these things that we're going to do. Like I was like, okay, we're going to light a black candle and then we're going <laughs> to, and then we're going to read through all of the things that we're grieving. And then yeah. we're going to put this thing that symbolizes all of our grief on an altar. And then we're going to blow out the black candle and then we're going to light a white candle. And then we're going to read all of like our intentions for how we want to step forward in this energy now and kind of like releasing it and transmuting it into this new energy. And then, yeah, I mean, that's it. It's kind of simple, but. Oh my God. Okay, that's it. That's all. <laughs> Nothing fancy. <laughs> Just a quick love reading ceremony. That no sounds, big that deal. amazing, though. And truly, the universe is supporting everything that you just mentioned. It's such a beautiful way to, to close this year, and not only this year, but close this era and begin a new one. And our friend made us, like, a grief tea, like, a tea blend that she thought, like, really helped with it. And I just feel like this whole sense of, like, community around it, which feels so Gemini, which is so cool. 
Because um, it's so much when we grieve and we release, it's so much more powerful if you can share that with another being. So that's totally. And I even yeah, think of like, like a sh- like I don't know if I'm saying it right, but in like Jewish culture, culture like a shiva, like when everybody just like sits together and like it's yeah. not like a lot of words being said, but just like the act of like holding space for another person, um, mm-hmm. is really beautiful. It's just the energy and intention that you bring into it. Mm-hmm. Totally, which is lovely. Ah, this has been so much fun. You are so amazing and talented. And I want everybody to go get a reading with you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's super, super powerful work that you're doing. And I love the the term creative wellness that you you label it as because it's just this fusion of these two super powerful things and the work that you're doing and the conversations that you're having are doing exactly that they're just progressing the collective forward and and you have a really lovely energy and you're really easy to talk to so thank you i'm super grateful for you having me on here as well ah thank you and tell everyone where they can find you and where they can book a reading with you and instagram and all that sure so my instagram is cosmos.within so I put all my, uh, the transit stuff on there to keep track of the cosmos. Um, and I also have my website on there, which is cosmoswithryan.com. Um, and on there, you can do everything. I, I got a popular 2020 year ahead reading going on right now. So lots of people can tune into everything that we kind of talked about. There's a lot being thrown our way. So I can check your chart specifically and be like, okay, what is the energy pulled for you in 2020? Um, I also have that I'm really excited to announce. I have uh, 2020 after emergent school that I want to get started in January. So I'm trying to uh, bring a group together. Whoever wants to learn astrology, you know, it, it's really, uh, we're going to meet through Zoom or Skype or I haven't planned it yet, but whoever signs up, we're going to learn about astrology together. Beginners can come in and learn all about the zodiac. And I am currently in the process of, because I'm also a transformation coach, so if anybody wants to book private coaching sessions with me, I'm currently working on, there's a Google Doc form that I'm going to put up on my site um, get that started. But yeah, I love working with people one-on-one too. And those sessions are truly customizable to whatever facet of life you're working on. And it's going to be an eight-week program where we meet once a week and move into our high vibe self. Oh, I love that. That's so perfect. You seem like such an amazing teacher. So it seems mm-hmm. like the perfect path to go down. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. I'm definitely vibing with it. And just really also flowing with it at the same time, seeing where everything is. And it brought me to you. So there we go. Yay. I'm so happy that our paths crossed. Me too. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Anna. And if you have any more, that took up like four hours for listening <laughs> to this. But if you, let's keep in touch. If you have any more questions or whatever, just give me a message and we can get nerdy about the Astros. Yeah, you have to come on again. Yeah, I would love to.
are you guys so excited for 2020 now because i am and probably you are after this epic astrological conversation so if you want a reading again with ryan you can find him at cosmoswithryan.com definitely stay in touch with him on instagram at cosmos.within and that was it that was an amazing conversation with ryan clayton astrologer mystic teacher all around extraordinary human um and i know you guys loved it that was really fun right um Yay, so happy Gemini full moon. Very excited to be going into the new year. I feel so prepared. I feel like I got all of my astro data down and I'm ready to like set goals based on that. And I'm very excited. I hope you're excited. Um, what else? If you guys enjoyed this podcast, if you could rate and review it, that would be balls. Blind Love Radio. Give it five stars. Tappity tappity. Maybe write a review if you're a poet and didn't even know it. Or if you do know it. If you left a poem as a review, I would die in love. I would be so excited. Um, what else? If you want to find me and connect with me on Instagram, you can find me at Blind Love Tarot. Blind Love Tarot. Do you guys say tarot or tarot? I say tarot. I'm East Coast too, though. So, <laughs> tarot. Um, anyway, I think that's all I got for you guys. I love you. Let me know if you guys do book a reading with Ryan and he reads your chart and you find out all these amazing things, then let me know. I want to know. I want to hear about it because I'm obsessed with astrology and all things mystical. So that's it. I love you guys. Thank you so, 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 so much for listening. And I'm sending you a lot, a lot, a lot of love. Bye.